Pastor Harvey Burnett of New Bethel Ministries, welcoming you to another Dunamis Word broadcast. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes as we deliver a powerful word from the Lord. Call somebody and tell them we're on the air, and I believe your blessing is coming to you today. That's all one word. Bethel Burnett dot B L O G S P O T dot com. If need be, you can also email this ministry and email myself with any prayer requests that you'd have at Dunamis One. That's D U N A M I S, the number one, at net zero dot com. I'm always glad to receive your emails uh, and also. Um, uh, encouragements and also questions by way of email. For those of you who are considering uh, sowing into this ministry, you can do that um, on any number of ways. Uh, you can uh, uh, email me and let me know what you want to do, or you can just plainly send in a contribution um, by way of snail mail <laughs> to P.O. Box 6167. That's 6167 Peoria, Illinois. Uh, make that out to New Bethel Ministries. I don't believe that you could sow into a better ground if you're considering uh, sowing to keep this broadcast coming to you, as well as to help uh, this ministry expand and touch individuals all over the world. We're doing the best we can with the resources that we have to touch the hearts, minds, and souls of men and women everywhere in the name of of Jesus Christ. Listen, I've got to finish this. Uh, this is part five of the uh, a series on the deity of Jesus and I praise God I thank God that uh, for those of you who have uh, let me know that you've enjoyed this series I appreciate you and thank you for your continued prayers um, those who are just being blessed um, by the information uh, that you're gaining I encourage you to continue to study further because I'm really brushing over so many topics and each one of these components takes some uh, more in-depth study and one thing that we found out is you can take the components apart and they're equally just as strong on their own but then you put them all together as we're doing in this series and you have an overwhelming 
case for the deity of Jesus early. Remember, it wasn't a council of Nicaea that uh, made Jesus deity. He was deity uh, long before any such council met to try to even discuss uh, his deity and get those concepts in order. Uh, but remember, in this section, we'll simply deal with a few sources, and I'll get right through this. Uh, these sources that have been uncovered to really discover what the early church, the apostles in the early church believed. Well, as I said, these things don't prove the deity of Jesus, but we don't demand these resources to do that. What this type of evidence does do is it provides a backdrop and a silhouette for understanding the why of Christianity and also Christianity's core beliefs from those who were standing around that had no vested interest within Christianity. There's no extra biblical source that simply states that Jesus was deity. If there was one, we would rightly be suspicious and critical for reasons that a secular writing um, doesn't seem to tend to make those type of claims. However, what does exist are a few resources uh, that to one degree or another solidifies, number one, the person of Jesus, eliminates and shatters any Christ myth thesis that is common and floating around on the internet and the various uh, atheist websites. Also, it also talks about and solidifies the actions of Jesus, the following of Jesus, the appeal that he had among individuals, and uh, and and all of those uh, things on this earth. Uh, once such resources, uh, one of those resources is called the Testimonium Flavium of Josephus. This document is shrouded in the claim of interpolation because uh, it confirms not only pers the person of Jesus but also the general character and the actions of Jesus outlined within Holy Scripture. Josephus was a historian uh, that uh, is generally held to be otherwise reliable but when it comes to Jesus there's all kinds of mystery especially from the critical crowd but the particular passage the testimonium Flavium um, let me read it to you this is what scholars agree is probably the interpolated version it says about this time there lived Jesus a wise man if indeed one ought to call him a man for he was one who wrought surprising feats and was a teacher of such people as accept the truth gladly he won over many Jews and many Greeks he was the Messiah when Pilate upon hearing him accused uh, by men of the highest standing among us had condemned him to be crucified those who had in the first place come to love him did not give up their affection for him on the third day he appeared to them restored to life for the prophets of God had prophesied these and countless other marvelous things about him and the tribe of Christians so called after him has still to this day not disappeared you'll find this in the book of Josephus Antiquities uh, chapter 18.3.3 .3. now this is generally agreed to be an interpolated portion of uh, Josephus writing um, because of a few things uh, the section saying if one ought to uh, uh, if, if indeed one ought to call him a man uh, another statement saying that he was the Messiah then another statement saying that on the third day he appeared to them restored unto life uh, then the other part that says and of the tribe of the Christians so called after him uh, uh, has still 
to this day not disappeared, uh, so forth and so on. And there's all kinds of um, problems with that. But scholars are able through uh, scholarly study and historical study, uh, literary uh, scientific principles, go back and um, really kind of weed out the interpolations. Number one, they go back to older versions and find out what the older versions of this uh, particular uh, uh, testimony or historical uh, study says and we find an older older version that pretty much has the same basic elements but it leaves out those three uh, or four interpolated parts and it reads like this and this time there lived Jesus a wise man for he was one who wrought surprising feats and was a teacher of such people as accept the truth gladly he won over many Jews and many Greeks. When Pilate, upon hearing him, accused uh, by men of the highest uh, standing among us, had condemned him to be crucified, those who had in the first place come to love him did not give up their affection for him. And the tribe of Christians, so called after him, has still to this day not disappeared. That is generally the accepted um, uh, a revision from this uh, testimonium flavium of Josephus and it leaves out all of those things that really deify Jesus or exalt him highly and really kind of strips things down to the fact now what do we find even if we go with the um, uh, stripped down version of this particular uh, uh, historical passage we find a few things that are very interesting number one the person of Jesus is affirmed number two the actions of Jesus are affirmed according to the biblical record uh, we know that he was a wise man and he did many feats. Uh, the third thing is the following of Jesus is affirmed that he did have followers. He did have believers. And number four, the appeal of Jesus is affirmed. So these things are solidified by the testimonium flavium of Josephus, whether you accept what has been traditionally called the interpolated version or not. Uh, these things are basically in non-dispute by scholars and only we find radical fringes that says oh throw out all of Josephus well if you throw out all of Josephus uh, uh, based on this uh, um, uh, that's written about Jesus the Jesus of the Bible then you will have problems with all of Josephus and, and you have no historical reliability and or basis to do that so these things affirm Jesus they affirm what the Christians actually thought of Jesus how they were willing to follow him even beyond his death and all of these things now this is the canvas upon which we can paint even more complete pictures um, of the words and the individuals uh, uh, within the scriptures and also we do that based on the words of individuals who had no reason or opportunity to promote Christianity Josephus was definitely not a Christianity promoter he was a Pharisee uh, by his own testimony and certainly one that would not want uh, Christianity to quote unquote survive or continue to do uh, what it was doing, especially as it pertained to converting uh, Jews over one by one. There's another individual. Uh, such as Pliny the Younger. Uh, Pr Pliny the Younger lived in about 110 AD when Christian and religious persecution was at an all-time high and still boiling. Um, at this particular time, Pliny gave the opportunity under the Emperor Hadrian to do exit interviews for the Christian faith. In other words, if you reject Christianity, you can live. If you continue to uh, be a Christian, you'll die. Uh, but if you reject Christianity, let me ask you some questions about what you learned when you were in there. And so Pliny began to take the opportunity to question um, different Christians 
and uh, upon their exit from Christianity and even those who remained in there because he was interested as to why these individuals would stay until death, uh, you know, to believe this man Jesus who clearly had died uh, long ago. And so there's some interesting things that Pliny finds out. And uh, after this particular song, I'll come back and tell you what Pliny uh, found out for himself. There's no more fighting left. Sinking to rise no more. Searching for that open door. Christianity. Um, Pliny was preoccupied with the wonder of how so many would give their life to this man named Jesus to become a Christian and stay that way even against the, the promise of death upon them. As I said, he conducted these exit interviews and he wrote back to Hadrian, the Emperor Trajan, and he gave this testimony in 110 AD. Now remember, this is some 90 years after Jesus has died and has been buried and resurrected. This is what he said. He said, they, the former Christians, assured me that the sum total of their error consisted in the fact that they regularly assembled on a certain day before daybreak. They recited a hymn antiphonally to Christus, or Christ, as if to God, and bound themselves with an oath not to commit any crime, but to abstain from theft, robbery, adultery, breach of faith, and embezzlement of property entrusted to them. After this, it was their custom to separate and then come together again to partake of a meal, but an ordinary and innocent one. This uh, particular recitation can be found in the book called The Jesus Legend uh, by uh, Paul, Ron, Paul Rhodes Eddy and Gregory A. Boyd, which is a good read that I recommend to anyone uh, listening to the sound of my voice. Now, it's interesting to note that once again, we have some affirmations of some things. So number one, Christianity was not a threat to anyone. The 
things that Christians promised were good things, you know, not to rob, not to commit adultery, not to commit breach of faith or embezzlement or property and uh, to take care of property entrusted to them, so forth and so on. These were good things. And so Pliny was at press uh, to find out, you know, what was going on, what these Christians were doing. And one thing he said, notice that he says that the people dedicated themselves to Jesus as if he were a God. As if he were a God. Now, we all understand, yes, there were charismatic leaders and all of that. But Pliny, in particular, uh, took the time to uh, let the people know that, listen, these people were worshiping this Jesus. This is in 110 AD. As if he were a God. Indicating that, uh, to his understanding, that Jesus had a greater hold and effect on his followers, even in death, than an ordinary person would. Note that Pliny is simply reporting his observations. He is totally unsympathetic to the cause of Christianity. So there is no reason or way uh, to, or, or to believe that this gentleman is promoting Christianity in any way. He's not doing that. We don't find an endorsement of Christianity within his writings. More specifically, we shouldn't expect to find such an endorsement from uh, his source or any other source that are unsympathetic and uninterested in Christianity or his cause. But what we find is in the line of actions that can be traced right back to the biblical account over some 90 plus years after Jesus died. There are other extra-biblical um, sources that affirms what the believers believed um, as well as how members of the early church acted and interacted and held their profession of faith. This is important and cannot be overlooked for a number of reasons. Number one, we gain factual information from these sources the same way we gain information from various sources today. Most of us get our information from some source um, of news that we hold to be credible to the extent of the subject matter discussed, even though uh, we bear little personal relationship to the actual events and times or even the people reporting those events. Um, number two, there are well-reasoned individuals of history that are no less trained or able to decipher lies from the truth than individuals are today. Um, when we examine this extra biblical testimony, we should read it uh, for the facts that it presents, also for the genre of literature that it is. Uh, and so we have no reason to doubt uh, certain testimonies based on um, certain special cases, special pleadings, uh, when we uh, otherwise accept um, writings from uh, writers of antiquity in other cases. Um, another unsympathetic source to Christianity is the writings of a gentleman called Lucian of Samosota. Uh, now Lucian, he wrote um, from about 120, or lived from about 120 to 190 um, uh, CE. Now he actually wrote a, a book called The Death of the Peregrines uh, in 165 CE, which was a critique of a particular uh, a gentleman named Peregrine uh, in uh, who actually had a rise within Christianity and um, he actually critiqued Peregrine as a faker um, and you know he said that uh, Peregrine was ungodly in his opinion uh, and basically the Christians just embraced this man far too easily and far too readily um, now we'll do another detailed post on 
uh, that particular story. There's a lot to be said about that. But let me just read one particular passage um, that really kind of speaks to this subject. It says, the Christians, this is what Lucian wrote. He said, the Christians, the first lawgiver, uh, uh, the Christian's first lawgiver uh, persuaded them that they are all brothers of one another after they have uh, transgressed once for all by denying the Greek gods and by worshiping the crucified sophist himself and living according to his laws. Therefore, they dispute all things equally and regard them common without certain evidence accepting such things. In other words, um, what we find is that Lucian understood that the Christians, they denied all other gods. They worshipped uh, Christ or the founder of the religion who they who he calls a crucified sophist or wisdom teacher. And uh, they lived according to his laws. This is what the Christians uh, did. And this is what uh, Lucian uh, certainly uh, translated and, and gave information on when it came down to examining Christianity in light of Peregrine and uh, his actions. Now there's a lot that can be said uh, about that particular story, but we'll leave it at that because that uh, really kind of speaks to our point that we find that Jesus uh, again was worshipped by these believers. Now this is pre-325. This is 165. We find that Jesus was worshipped by the believers. We find that Jesus was followed. His teachings were followed. We find that people uh, just uh, similar to Pliny the Younger's uh, testimony uh, some 50 to 60 years previous were still worshipping Jesus as God. <laughs> Boy, I mean, you, you can't get any more clear. Now, we also, in, in the middle of that, we also see there's another gentleman that shows up called Marcion. Marcion shows up with a uh, what he calls a canon in about 140 AD, a fully developed uh, uh, book that he says is the Bible. And in this, uh, in his stripped down version of what we have now, um, interestingly enough, Jesus is God. He is claimed to be the most supreme God himself, according to Marcion. He has the testimonies of Paul, uh, the writings of the epistles, as well as the stripped-down version of the Gospel of Luke. Uh, he is anti-Semitic in his writing, but nevertheless, he uh, certainly worships and exalts uh, Jesus as God. So these things, uh, all of these arguments, and I hope that you will find that this complete series has taken the opportunity to let you know that Jesus was taught as deity, as God, early. He was worshipped uh, even beyond the original apostles themselves. People went to their death knowing that all they had to do was recant, um, but they gladly did not recant. The reason being that they were convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was not only some prophet, he was not only some teacher, but he was God as he said. Now one can make statements about this and all this is uh, well and good. And you can say that, uh, uh, that you know, this really doesn't uh, present a compelling case that Jesus was divine. But as I said, when combined with other parts of this lesson, this provides overwhelming evidence and a cherry on top that uh, people believe that Jesus was divine, 
He demonstrated that he was divine because those beliefs were actually against the culture and against everything that these individuals had been taught. Listen, Jesus simply came in the volume of the book. He came according to the Old Testament, as in Psalms 40 and 7 is restated in Hebrews 10 and 7. He said, Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Thank God that Jesus came to earth. We can say glory to God and peace and goodwill to all for the King has come. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I ask you to touch everyone in this listening audience. I ask you to add a special blessing into this series and those that hear this series and share the good news of your divinity, of your coming to this earth just to save men and women from all of their sins. In Jesus' name we do pray. Now let every yoke, every shackle be destroyed upon the lives of your people. Save that which is not saved. Draw back the backslider. Encourage the discouraged in heart. Right now, in Jesus' most holy name we pray. Thank God. Amen. Now, from all of us at New Bethel Ministries, on behalf of all of our friends and supporters of the Dunamis Word, I want to wish you and your family a very merry and blessed Christmas. May the word of the Lord continue to resonate and abide with you now, henceforth, and forevermore. Go in peace, O children of God, and be blessed in Jesus' name. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Oh, how I need